Hey, welcome to that Doorman. On this podcast, I'm talking to a good friend of mine, Bernard. Now, Bernard's been a friend of mine for a long time, but I haven't caught up with him for a good few years. Um, I spoke to him for over an hour about his uh, fly fishing and his life with fly, fly fishing. And uh, really didn't want you to miss anything, so I decided to cut it in half. This is a two-part episode. Um, so take a listen. hope you enjoy really see what he's saying about the countryside and what's going on in it. I think it's really, really worth the listen. So cool. They'd be very lucky to get 5,000 for one. Really? Yeah. And mine, I spent you know, 1,500 quid on her each rod. I wouldn't get 500 back now. You can't give them away in May. It's mental, isn't it? Well, yeah. yeah. So, but, and it's partly because people haven't got the time, and it's yeah. partly because they're not interested, and partly because they're doing other things. And yeah. People, people want that instant catch game, really. now, don't they? People want that instant... Don't want to work for it. It's the carp. It's the carp angler syndrome, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone wants to go and sit on a pool, catch twenty pound fish, go home, go out and do the same thing next time. Yeah. Right. I have to check everything now because I went and done one um, a few weeks ago with a well, he's a builder but a full time poacher. And um, I had to go back and redo it because I'd buggered the whole thing up. So I'm constantly watching the damn thing now. <laughs> Make sure I get it right. Yeah, the other thing that's happened, of course, down here is they've changed the bylaws. And it might be a bit excessive to say they've killed salmon fishing on the Severn as a sport. Yeah. Um, because the Severn to somewhat unique river in the sense of the size of it and certainly in this part because it's a mixed fishery um, it, it's not the sort of place you can go there are one or two places but it's not the sort of place you can go with a fly rod you know it's not that uh, and if you get beyond the middle of the year you end up with lots of weed everywhere so spinning's difficult I'll spam uh, seven Hmm? I've spanned the seven. I'm yeah, not, and I'm not a it'll, fisherman. It'll be in the early part of the year, you see, yeah. it when before the growth's on. But once you get the the into the middle of the year and beyond, really the only way you could fish most of the seven, certainly the middle reaches from the confluence, which is what I know, down to, well, not to the east of the county, but Iron Bridge area. You, you you've got a you've got to use a bait because it's the only way you can get somewhere near where the fish is and they've now banned bait fishing completely uh, if you spin you can only use a single hook of a prescribed size so you can't use a, a treble at all really? and if you fly fish you can only use a single hook the stupidity of it all is that if on the 16th of June, when the, the course season starts, you go down to the river and put a worm on a hook and chuck it in for a barbel, you're perfectly legal. And if a salmon takes it, it's nothing you can do to stop it. No. But the bylaw says you can't fish for it. 
Yeah, the, the, the other thing that's happened is that given the rise of the Welsh Government, the everything above the confluence at Melville is now controlled by the National Rivers, or no, the Natural Resources Wales, and everything below is the Environment Agency, and so you've got two lots fighting about what the yeah, rules are going to be. Too many chiefs. And the NRW are, have fallen out with every salmon angler, every game angler in Wales in the last few years. Partly because the, the, the summer season starts in February and runs through to uh, early October on the 7th, a little bit later on the Welsh rivers, most of the Welsh rivers. The course season finishes on, in the middle of March and starts in the middle of June. Uh, given that most salmon anglers didn't bother to buy their licence until June because whilst you can fish in between February and June, you, you couldn't use worm and you couldn't take a fish. And given they're all old timers out of the likes of the West Midlands who used to come to catch a fish, um, everybody stopped buying their licences until the beginning of June. Yeah. Two years ago, um, they suddenly decided they <laughs> suddenly decided that there was a catastrophe occurring and numbers were disappearing based on the catch returns from the previous year, which was a dry year and nobody caught or fished anything. Uh, so they brought in emergency rules and changed everything, just as people that bought their licenses. So salmon anglers went up there, they yeah. were through the roof. They would have you know, they'd have taken people's heads off if they'd have got old ones. And what that's done is, with advancing years, people falling off their perches, like me, yeah. uh, nobody coming in, and then they've changed the bylaws, so yes, you can fish for them, but you can't take a fish, and now you can only fish in very restricted ways on the Severn. They've more or less said to people, well, you can fish for them, but you're wasting your time because the methods you're using are unlikely to be of much use to man or beast. They're still catching a few fish down at Worcester on the top of the tide. They always catch more fish down at Worcester on the top of the tide, simply because that's where the fish get and they can't get over the weir. Right. Uh, but up here, there's nobody out. Right. Uh, the last three people I've spoken to, I spoke to a, the chairman of the club I'm in about something yesterday, uh, Friday. He's a keen salmon boy. Um, and a bloke I saw at a trout pool last beginning of the week and the week, another one the week before, all of them were salmon people and they're the same as me. Haven't got the enthusiasm, don't know why they're, why they're bothering to go. Then you put COVID on top of it and the answer is there's nobody on the river really. There's a mm. few, but. Yeah. Not where it was when I started in the early 80s. It's, it, it, it's, almost, it's almost dying on yeah. the Severn. Some of the other rivers are not too bad, but our river, which is all I know really, uh, and it's a bit like that on the Welsh Dee as well, uh, are no, nobody's fishing the river. And it, 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 going back to your point about the estates, the amount of water that's coming up now for clubs to be interested in, in places that were old man's shoes 
um, it's beyond belief. You can you can get an entire estate's water for the square root of nothing at the minute. I went loading and it wasn't so much loading but sort of looking after one of my boss's son's friends on a shoot day a few years ago. And at the end of the day we went to um, have a bit of a meal at a cabin. It was a lovely cabin over a lake and literally you went up the boathouse and on top of the boathouse was the you know, dining yeah. area and kitchen and they had a balcony over the water. I looked over this water and the trout was just, and he said, it's not, we don't fish it. And I thought, yeah, I'm missing a trick there. I said, and I just thought, and there were some big fish in there as well. But the trout fisheries, you see, the trout fisheries are all struggling. All the commercial ones, most of the commercial ones around here have, have, have given up. The one up at Whitchurch is now a wedding venue. Couldn't Trout Pool yeah. is now a, a carp lake when our club's got it. Is it really? There's, there used to be one down at um, by the Lawley, and I think that's finished. The one at Oni Vale's still going, I think, and the one at uh, Edgeman, not Edgeman, oh, I've forgotten its name, out on the out on the east, is still is just open. But uh, there's nobody, there's nobody fishing for trout anymore, and there's nobody fishing. Very few people fish for trout on the rivers. Really. What? Why is it? Because it's because of the work that's involved. Uh, partly that there aren't there aren't the fish, and partly you've got to put the time in. You you've got to you know especially on the Severn. Salmon is a classic example. Yes, you can turn up in bits of the Severn, and I've seen it done. People just turn up and chuck chuck something in, and away they go. And you know, guess what? There's a fish. But because it's not like other rivers because of its size and the nature of the river. You've really got to know where the areas are, where the lies are. I used to, a friend of mine who used to, who got me into salmon fishing, we used to work together and he and I could have a conversation which you would have thought was the strangest thing in the world. Because I'd say, see him in the morning and say, did you go last night? Yeah, where did you go? And he'd tell me which field he went to. And he said, but it wasn't the top bush, it was the second bush. And then, you know, that weed bed just down from the second bush, it was just out from there, there was a fish there. And I knew exactly where he was talking to me. If I'd have told you all, from there, they wouldn't have had a clue. But it, it, you'd, you'd almost got to serve, we well, still got to, an apprenticeship. Yeah. And the only way you could learn where the fish were was either to see them, catch them, or see somebody else catching them, or have somebody tell you. I've lost a friend last year. Um, I used to come to Scotland and we fished together for a long time. And he'd been fishing. Well, he'd been fishing sixty years on the on the Severn. And we'd be somewhere, and he'd say, "See that tree down there? Yeah, I had a fish out of there about ooh, such and such, and it was that size, and it was just off that. See the weed bed? It was just off that weed bed. Now." If you said to a course fisherman, where did you go and what did you do? They don't do that. But on the Severn, you've got to know, certainly this part of the Severn, you've got to know the lies. How to work it. You, you've got to work, you've got to serve an apprenticeship, you've got to put the time in and you've got to work out where they are. It's like your old stamping ground of longer. <laughs> yeah. I could, I could go down <coughs> there yard by yard and tell you <coughs> oh, where most of the <coughs> lies are on there. Well, not all of them, but most of them. Yeah. Because it's what you put the time on. Yeah, it's like everything, though, isn't it? You know, it's the same when it comes to shooting. You know, I could say, well, 
there's no point doing that drive because they're just yeah they're not feeding I, it at the moment absolutely or the deer have just ran out of there so the partridge will have gone so yeah. you may as well go somewhere else exactly but it the seven particularly the bits of the Vernway are like it, but the Welsh Dee is a different thing altogether. The bits that I fished on the Welsh Dee are different because it that's more like a, not a spate river, um, a bit more like a Scottish river in the sense that there are defined pools and runs. Well, unless it's very low water, you would be hard put to say on the Severn, where's there a pool and where's there a run? Really? Well, if you go back to Longner, there's one under the railway bridge, isn't there? Yeah. Down to, down to the first deep hole, and then you've got the rocks, but there isn't another one until in front of the hole. Really? The next one after that is what I call the cow splash, just above Atcher. Yeah. Then you can go on down the river like that, but they're the only places you could get in to fly fish, for example. Everywhere else, with the banks as they are, there's no way you could get in. You think course fishing's taking the belly out of it as well a bit? You know, like you said. Like obviously, carp pools now at yeah. what's name. Obviously, that's where people people travel all country for. Yeah, and pay quite a lot of money for it. Yeah, they will. They will, unless you're in a club who's got some decent water. Yeah, they do. But they're going to the big carp venues. You know, I mean, you know, it's on the television. Don't you yeah. know, monster carp and all that sort of thing. And they're also going abroad. Don't forget. I mean, people are now off down to Portugal and Spain and France and spending a couple of weeks. You know catfish and all that yeah. sort of thing and the game anglers the other thing that's game that's changed is that the game angler now for the amount that you could you spend on going to scotland for a week you can get on a plane and go to iceland and, and you'll be guaranteed well not guaranteed but you'll be almost guaranteed fish yeah and the same with norway and so on but it, and it, the transport is so easy now whereas you know, driving to Scotland and back is a bit of a chore. Well, you could fly, I suppose, but most But even that's don't. a chore. I've done that a couple of years ago because I've got a friend who's up um, at Grantland Bay um, on an estate that's there. It's a long old drive. Yeah, and I, I flew it. So yeah. I drove to my mum's and then flew out of Gatwick. Right. But to be honest, I'd have been better off just driving it because by the time I'd driven down to Gatwick, got my luggage set yeah. up, sat there, my plane had been delayed. Two hours. Got up there. Yeah. Then got picked up. It was a day anyway. Yeah, I know. Well, I, my bit up in Scotland is 300, 330 miles from my front door. So that's six and a half hours each way. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> you could get to Iceland in that, le that length of time, yeah. couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the other ones, are, well, game fishing in you know, the Caribbean and places like that have, have taken off. And people are fly fishing all over the place, you know. Yeah. I, people I know who are involved in Scotland regularly say, oh, I was in Argentina after the sea trout. And there's a friend, a real good friend of mine, has been to Canada, the, East, the west coast of Canada, several times. And if you do that, well, <laughs> a couple of days on the seven doesn't go down very well, no. really, does it? No. Would you like to come another day on the seven with me? Well, exactly. well how much water have we got in? Well, it's probably about 14 foot on. And you think, no, oh, it's not on, is it? Mm -hmm. But um, And that's also affected the, the course lads because the number of, when I started salmon fishing, um, all around 
the middle seven was just full at the weekend of match fishermen. Yeah. They, you know, they were still coming down from the northwest in, on coaches. Oh, yeah. And they would park up at Atchim and there'd be 40 of them get off and have a match and then they'd go home and uh, they were still doing that. Then it went down to, you know, they came in their own cars and all the rest of it. There are very few, there's some matches in Shrewsbury and there are one or two matches in some of the other clubs run, but nothing much. There's not huge numbers of people doing it. And the only ones who are really fishing the river are the specimen fishermen. The barbel boys are the, the ones who are on the river now. But there's not many of them. No. There are not many. The people people will come down for a weekend or something, but nothing in the numbers that I used to see when I was... I mean, I still do a bit of bailiffing, but... I mean, and you could spend a... If I started bailiffing at Shinton and got to the confluence, I'd have probably walked about... 10 or a dozen miles and seen about 30 people when I started you wouldn't see 30 in a month you wouldn't see you know don't even see their cars they're not doing it no. the people just aren't aren't doing it it's easy to go to a pond and uh, lake and sit there you, and you've got a yeah not work you know, for it there's it's stuffed with fish there's there's vast amounts of food going in, so they're usually feeding, and the, your chances of getting a twenty pound fish are quite high. Yeah. Um, the idea of getting a ten pound barbel out of the river is once a year if you're lucky. Uh, a friend of mine who was well, a farmer who owns the shoot where I'm at now, he he's he's a keen fly fisherman, and um, he's got really big into catching carp. Right. On the fly. Yeah. And he thinks it's great. Yeah. He, to the point where he was going to dig his own pond and, yeah. and stock it. Yeah, there's a few doing it. Um, and Not he, many, a few. I mean, he, he's still going out after the trout and, and everything else. And he's yeah. just he's just booked himself a like a, a holiday up up to Scotland and back, various different places yeah. fishing. Um, but yeah, he's got got big time. And I think but he's, got, he's got MS, so I think the carp sort of give him that bit of fight, which he's... yeah. Well, they do. They'll go. A big carp will go like stink. But yeah, it's never been never been something I've particularly been enthusiastic about no. carp fishing. But there Dad, you go. Dad was on about I, it. I, people are, and I understand why they're doing it, and they spend a lot of time and a lot of, a lot of money on it. And but it's not for me. I I, I prefer the hunting style of, of yeah, you know, working for it and 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 moving. You know, I'd start on a. Longer, for example, uh, I it would be nothing for me on a Sunday morning to start by the railway bridge and end up down by the front of the hall, sort of thing. Yeah, you know, do the whole thing, yeah, and probably fish it on the way back up and then go home, you know. But that would be it. But people, well, partly you can't get in because everything's now arable, there's no there's no, uh, or very little in the way of uh, livestock farming on the seven until you get sort of up around Welshpool. I'd say closer to Wales. Yeah, you've got to get out of out of Shropshire. There's a, still a bit at Melvilly and, and around, but mainly um, it's, it's now arable. And that's partly, that goes back again to what's happened in the past. Foot and mouth got rid of an awful lot of small mixed farms around here. Um, then BSE, or BSE, then foot and mouth more accurately. 
And the other thing that changed everything was they closed the sugar beet factory at Olscott. Right. And what that did was it broke the rotation for the arable boys and what they're now doing is growing maize. Yeah. And a lot of that's for feed, but a lot of it's going straight into the biodigesters. And that's all they've done. They've started uh, on beet again now, but they, that's going straight in mm. to be turned into electricity. And what that means, sorry, sorry oh. what that means is um, the ground generally is left untouched after it's cut all over the winter until the spring when something like spring barley goes in because they don't finish cutting until October. So it means that over the winter you've got bare fields, you get a lot of rain, the river is filthy, silt in the river. The next thing you know is all the gravels are covered with silt. So even if, if fish have spawned, the, the gravel spawners have spawned, the, the eggs are probably dead because they're covered in silt. Really? I didn't know that. That's a... Well, if, if you... I mean, most... That's why I was looking in the book. Most fish, most salmon, go to the headwaters or somewhere up around. But there are rivers... The one I go to in Scotland is a good example, where they will spawn um, if the conditions are right, particularly the late fish that come in. You know, they come in every month of the year, as you know. Yeah. And the early fish tend to get up to the top early on and wait for the females and start their spawning up there. But the later fish will come in and they'll spawn where they can spawn. And they spawn around in, in the middle of Shropshire. Uh, they don't all go straight up to the top. Um, and anyway, the trout do that as well. And what's happening is all this silt's coming off. You know, you go down and you, what you think is a nice gravel, a gravel bit is no longer a gravel bit. It's covered in silt. My little brook out there, um, we've had trout spawning on it for years. It's a, just a tributary of the, the Cun Brook. And last year, well, for the last few years, we've had high water through the winter this last year was worse than ever in that a piece of the bank or a large piece of the bank upstream disappeared and what were pools are now covered in silt they were 18 inches deep they're now flat across yeah and that's happening all the way down the river and it means that the the, the, the gravel spawners which tend to be um the game fish all their eggs are at risk of being yeah, killed the because the oxygen isn't going running through the water through the gravel. And, but that's that's you know caused by things that fishermen can't control. Yeah. But it's caused by by a change in farming practice. Yeah. And it's a, a, a long term spin off of foot and mouth. Yeah. Right. There we go. Foot and mouth's got a lot of chance. Well, here you go. I mean. It, yeah, well, you've only got to go and stand on it and look at it. You know, you, you, you look at the gravel and say, well, there was gravel here last time. It's no longer there. Yeah. It's gone. Or the nature of the gravel has changed or whatever it is. But Have you found with with modern practicing, I was talking about this yesterday to the bloke I was talking about, his parages. He was, he was saying about habitat for the parages, that the young parages need the insect life out the other. Yeah. So with the shift in the way the farming is done, has that had an effect on the insects that are on, on the bank, or not on the banks, but you know on the rivers, or has that not changed because the banks are still the same? Well, 
remember that, that sorry, remember. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't have used that sort of language. <laughs> what, what I mean is, if you think about um, uh, the salmonoids, the, grout, the, the, the game fish, yeah. tr salmon, trout, sea trout, uh, grayling, although grayling's slightly different, they're all uh, fry that live on or in the gravel. The eggs are spawned into the gravel and they hatch and they live in the gravel. The water runs through the gravel and they're eating what's in and around the gravel. Little bits and pieces. That's what they, 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 they makes them into par. That's how they get from an egg to being something else. So if you've got, if you've got rivers that are silting up, then not only they, not only the eggs, but the fry and their, the stuff they're predating upon, will be killed as well. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, again, going back to my little bit of water outside, uh, the last few years we've had a significant number of damselflies suddenly appeared uh, for very good, I don't know what the reason was, but they, well, there aren't any this year because it's silted up. And guess what's happened? It's covered everything up. They're in the water, but they're dead. Yeah. Really? And we'll have to wait until it shifts again, until it comes back again, and blah, blah, blah. But the outcome is that, you know, what's going on, shifting however it's done, shifting stuff off the land into the water, is having an impact. Yeah, no, definitely. And then we've got the whole question of uh, cassanders and cormorants. And we, yeah. we could spend a constructive <laughs> hour and a half over that. But it's the same problem. I mean, you know... One of the things that's not, that really irritates me about the likes of the Environment Agency and NRW is they won't do the obvious things. They say that, you know, salmon, the salmonoids are in danger and extinction and all that sort of stuff and reducing, and it's true, and there are all sorts of reasons for it, but it always seems to me that in life, and certainly in, in fishery management, you can't control everything. You can't do anything about killer whales out at sea or killer whales in the Murray Firth or wherever, you know, and, and, and all that sort of thing. But you can control predators on the river quite easily. The gassanders have multiplied on the river, certainly this bit of the river. Uh, I can't tell you how many times. I'll give you an example. Spring, I was thinking about it before we, we were having our conversation. Spring last year, February, March, well, late winter, February, March, my wife and I were walking the loop in Shrewsbury, you know, around the river. Yep. You can do a loop, can't you? And we went from, it was on the east side of the town where the English bridge is, the one that goes out on the old A5, and from just above there where the, the Ree Brook comes in, the tributary comes in, down to just below the railway um, station where the weir is, which is half, three quarters of a mile, perhaps. I counted 25 gassanders. Really? 25, just sitting there. Two, three weeks ago, I went to um, a club trout pool up on the west of the county. It's about an acre and a half, got a little island on it, stocked, well, stocked. Uh, nice little pool. Tends to get overfished a bit, but it's a nice little pool. Um, there were four cormorants on there at nine o'clock in the morning when I arrived. 
Now, the whole business of what can we do about it, you could control that. Mm. Nobody wants to see the end of cormorants, but there are four sitting on a trade pool that people have paid good money to have stocked does seem to me to be a bit of a, a problem. Excessive. And then you've got friends like Country File who will be saying, and the other idiots of the world who will be saying, uh, oh dear, oh dear, well, you shouldn't be putting trout in there, should you? Yeah. But we are, and that's it at the cost. I done, it's, it's, it's re- it was released two weeks ago, a podcast on uh, the Norfolk Ornithologist Association. And actually, ever since I've done a podcast, I've I think I've pretty much mentioned this on all of them. Um, but it, I done my school work experience there when I was six fifteen. Seems like a lifetime ago now. Yeah. Um, Not as long as my life. <laughs> there you go. Um, and I spent two weeks making larsen cages, catching yeah. magpies, and also tunnel trapping stoats. Yeah. Because they wanted the rabbits. To keep the, the soaps were killing the rabbits, they didn't have many, and they were trying to keep, get the numbers yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. The magpies are doing damage on the yeah. on the birds, and also when I was there, they were looking at getting rid of a fox because that was causing a nuisance. And that's on a bird reserve. Now, if they can see that, and and not obviously not want to kill the magpies, but to, but to, to reduce the numbers yeah. for the habitat, control it. You know, surely other people can see it, but likes of Chris Packham can't. And it's and it's infuriating well, we, that we, the ignorance. We have a bird table out there. My, my wife loves it. When we we over the well the last few years, we the number of varieties of birds we've had on there has increased, and the number of birds, partly because it's been reasonably decent winters, but we feed it hard. And there's one down down the orchard, and we feed it hard, but we get squirrels. Dozens of the bloody things. Yeah. And the only thing you can do is to control them. And, uh, uh, you know, they're not just taking the food off the bird table. Fair enough, they're taking some food off the bird table. But you know that they're destroying nests. Yeah, taking the you can't have eggs. You can't have that going on all the while and then saying, oh, well, you know, that's all right. Then isn't it? Well, it isn't. So I'm afraid I, I've got one out there. It's a, It didn't set at the minute, but it gets used. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that... that that irritates me greatly with the idiots of the Environment Agency and NRW is they refuse to stock the rivers uh, and they refuse to allow other people to stock the rivers. Yeah. And one of the arguments they use...